Welcome to the family with Car Selling Secrets with... Doug Sprinthal. Ellie Swenson. Melissa Kirk. Andy Rampernard. And Cassie Schrader. And Big Shot Doug taking over the helm. That's right. We'll be right back after these exciting announcements. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. I love the theme song. I know, I, I love crazy about her. I think she's just terrific. Our special guest here on episode 14 of Car Selling Secrets by Walzer Automotive Group. To my right is an old friend. Actually, that sounds terrible to say about a woman. It is what it my is. My ancient friend. My <laughs> ancient friend, Ellie Swenson, joins us. She's been with the company longer than I have. Started out in the 80s, and I talked about this on the morning show. They hadn't invented the term admin assistant yet, and you were actually Paul's secretary, I think, was one I, of your first jobs, right? I was the receptionist at first, and I was uh, matured into becoming his secretary. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. So run down for us all the jobs that you've had with the company. How long is this show? It's uh, six hours long. Okay, good. So um, really started uh, back 1985 as a receptionist, moved into secretarial work, um, administrative. At one point they said, listen, this whole admin gig, secretary gig is ending. You're going to need to find a different role. Do you want to go into billing, into accounting, or do you want to go to the show floor? And so I took the safe route at first, and I said, let's look at billing. And uh, after three days in there, I had him show me to the show floor, and that's where we moved into sales. Really? Yeah. So he just said, that's uh, really not for me. I, I asked why they did things, and they said, because that's a, I'm out, the way it's always been done. Keep so that was, uh, that was... You know, that. there's not one person that used that lavalier mic that, that keeps it on their shirt. That's true. It just <laughs> keeps falling great. off. I, yeah, apparently not. Kind anyway, of. so you, you lasted how long in billing? Uh, three days, maybe three days, maybe okay. three days. and oh. then uh, I said, "Show me the like uh, show me the show floor." Yeah. And uh, sales and finance, and really moved through. I've done pretty much everything on the front end, 
Um, with the exception of holding used car manager title, I haven't done that. Oh, okay. Really? I thought you had. No. Was How'd never... you miss that one? Um, That's the best job in the dealership, actually. <laughs> All the men had those roles. So That's they wouldn't right. give them up. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, to the point that uh, fast forward, I don't know, 28 years, something like that. I'm, I've been uh, new car manager, general sales manager, general manager. You were, were you our first or second female general manager? I think second. I think Tammy was first, but I. Oh no, there was a gal down at Subaru or Isuzu, down in the. Uh, oh, that was it. When I was building. gone, I yeah. yeah. Um, I can't what remember. What was her, her name? name? She was nuts. Mm-hmm. Fairly. And her husband worked <laughs> there too, right? You have to anyway. be a little nuts in this business, but. Um, and to the point today, I'm I'm excited to say that uh, I'm partner. So. so Ellie and her husband, Charlie, who was, and I'm not sure what Charlie's title is. They change our titles all the time. And people ask me what I do. I say, I sell cars and just mm -hmm. do it differently. And Charlie is, uh, oversees all of the sales operations in, in Minnesota. And at one time was our COO. And, and he and Ellie are partners in Wayzata Nissan, beautiful, almost downtown Wayzata. <laughs> and that's really quite an honor in this organization. There's only been a few few people that have made it to the level of partnership it's uh it, but that's really cool I mean, yeah you think about it's a good thing you didn't stay in, outside good thing you didn't stay in billing you'd still be there as always our live uh studio phone number talk and text is open at 612-295-1526 if you want to call in or text 612-295-1526. You never sneeze on the morning show. You just save it up for the No, podcast. I just went outside. I made a mistake. The, mm. the cottonwood kicks my butt. <laughs> it just does. So I've got a little story to tell about Ellie before oh, we go much we go. farther. Great. Um, here we go. And this is a baseball story because uh, in 1987, the Twins were on the hunt for their first ever World Series. And as most of us know, they did manage to win. And we had some people in the company that decided they could cash in on the Twins' success. Because the Twins' ace reliever was a guy from the Dominican Republic named Juan Berenguer. Juan Berenguer, who was the yeah. He was the closer. His nickname, his baseball nickname was El Gasolino. So if you go back to 1984, the, the uh, Bears had put together a video called the Super Bowl Shuffle, which you might remember, remember Jim that. McMahon at all, sure. very famous. So... Paul Walzer, and I'd look this up, Shell Berg was one of the partners who owns Borton Volvo and a whole bunch of a host of other felons. George Brochures. George Brochures, right. yep. The lady dies in this. Put to, got together with some people at Paisley Park and decided they put together a video called the Berenguer Boogie. I remember. Now, this is very hard to find. Uh, I won't torture people by um, playing the entire thing. I think we'll play a minute or two of it, and we'll put it up on the podcast page if you oh, want to watch my. it. Goodness. It's very low def, so it's hard to see, but Ellie Swenson. <laughs> it's so, low def. It's it's so low def. people that are listening and not watching, it's basically bad funk music. Juan Berenguer could barely speak English, has no musical timing at all. And for some reason, there's a whole bunch of chicks in high heels, big hair, and trench coats that are sort of dancing behind Juan in and, a smoke-filled room. And Wayfarer glasses. And Wayfarer glasses yeah. to complete the 80s look. And I, Juan is in a trench coat with a hat on and mysteriously holding a briefcase. Well, you remember at the uh, press conference, he had... He had a briefcase in his hand, which I believe contained a bottle of whiskey, or it had a bottle of something in oh, it. Was that that was, what it was. He had his trench coat on, 
and he had his Wayfarers on, and he had his briefcase, and that was that was the deal. So, Andy, or, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, do you have it queued up? Just give us like a minute of the Berenger boogie. Uh, oh, there's in credits at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. There we go. There's the whistle. It's all coming back. And this is worth going on the podcast the page later to oh, watch yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Prince was not in this day. But they did the full deal, right? The full production. No, who did the who did the rap? Destiny for a team down I don't remember who it was. We had Les Straker and Tony Oliva. Yeah, Matt Blair blows the whistle at the beginning of the video. Yes. Matt Blair. Matt Blair. Well, his production was involved. In it. Oh, it was. Yes. He's a car guy. I think that's about all I can handle. (laughs) It's perhaps the worst rock video. You know, they say that they built this city on rock and roll is the worst rock and roll song ever recorded. This might be the worst video ever, but it is. It's so funny. They're all dressed like the Blues Brothers for some reason. Well, I think Paul and these guys thought it was a brilliant idea and they were going to make a ton of money selling these videotapes. And they're still available for sale. We still have, I think, 300,000 of them in an Eden Prairie warehouse. <laughs> oh, my sealed. God. We sold four. They got a bunch of names on there. Of course, I don't know any of them. but A lot of them are people that work for the company. Jim Rosine, Paul, Paul Walzer, yeah. mm-hmm. Frank Loreno, Kim Stender, Jack Investors. Luckina. Jack Lucking. Yeah, well, Lucina is a joke. His actual name is Lucking. Ah, well, there you go. George Broshears? Yes. Yep. He was a... Big time car guy. And All sorts daughter of car is guys. in there too. Yeah, it's just an, a collection and of, course, of walls are automotive. A collection oh. of greedy felons. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so he thought this was going to be a big seller. Oh yeah, well, Paisley Park was involved. Engineer Prince. Well, honestly, he's no. he was just like twenty years too early. It sounds like because probably remember back in well back in like ten years ago. That's. That was all the rage on YouTube was that kind of thing. Yeah. Cheesy, badly produced stuff. But this, we were trying to do it. It was the idea that this this was supposed to be good. It's really funny. Oh, well, that that's part of the draw <laughs> of the cheesy, badly produced stuff is that so, people think it's good when they make it. So if you compare it to the Super Bowl shuffle, it wasn't, anyway, it was. Not quite the same. An error from uh, a page from the past. It, that, 87 was a really interesting year because the Twins, other than, for hardcore baseball fans, weren't really famous. Right. And we had a guy that I, I was the general sales manager at the Mazda store where Best Buy is now. And one of the salespeople there, Greg Harris, was lifelong buddies, grew up with Kirby Puckett in south side of Chicago. And Kirby oh, yeah. and Dan Gladden used to come in all the time. They just sort of like, they didn't have anything else to do. And when they were in town, they just hang out. And then they became super famous. And I'll tell a Kirby Puckett story that Greg told me. Kirby's wife and he did not apparently have a great relationship. I think her name was Tanya. Tanya, yep. And on New Year's Eve, they had a big, I think he lived up in Brooklyn Park or Center. He I did, he remember. worked up by Edinburgh. Yep, that's right. Had a big uh, big holiday celebration dinner, and so Greg went with his wife, and all their friends were up there. And I suppose, that I, I don't remember exactly, but there was about 30 people that went. As they were leaving, Tanya gave them all bills. 
Oh, I remember that. I remember. Yeah, she, everybody got billed for the party. Wow. Wow. That is a fact. One time, remember the old Ocean Air when it was over at the Hyatt? Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I loved it when it was there. And Manny's, for some reason, there was no windows, but sitting no, in the true. bar with the checkered tables, I loved that. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I walk in there one time. What was it Steve Utes was the guy who managed it, I think I it was think his name. So. I think it was, was it Utes? It was something like that. But anyway, I walk into the place, and all of a sudden I hear these three women, Tom, Tom, come over here. And I didn't know any of them. Right? I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And I go over there, and it's Kirby's wife, Paul Molitor's wife, and one other player's wife, and I can't remember who. But they said, sit down for a second. And they'd all three been drinking. <laughs> they said, we're all getting divorced. We're having a divorce celebration tonight. We want you to announce it. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I, uh, gosh, well, I, gee, I, uh, but yeah, they were, they were all, they were very friendly and very nice people. Well, of course, they were all, they were all about to become single. And well, wealthy, very yeah. wealthy. Yeah. And very wealthy, true. That's true. They're taking some dough with them. But yeah, I'll never forget, they, they tracked me. you got to announce this tomorrow in the morning. So oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, Linda, what was her name again? Paul Mulder's wife, Linda, but I can't remember her last name, whatever. But Tanya was there, and there was one other. I can't remember who the hell it was, but... Who else was, got... I, was it Gary Gaetti's wife, by any chance? Because mm, I think they split up about yeah, that time. Yeah, they split up about that time, too, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that, that World Series took its toll on marriages on that team. There's no doubt about that. It took some huge toll. I don't know. I don't know if any of those guys are married anymore. To tell you the no. truth, I don't know if any of them are. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the deal. It's that was a great year, and then it was just. I I, I did. I, I hope you're okay with me playing this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so I talked to Dana, who does a lot of internal communications work. She always wants to know who's going to be on the podcast from the company because she'll circulate it internally. And I told her a little about this. She goes, "Can I see it?" And I said, "No, nah, you, you can't. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe someday." And there's, oddly, I had to chop that down. There was a making of the Berenger Boogie oh, video, which is 15 minutes long. Oh, it's just my like, God. So I, I downloaded it and chopped it up so we wouldn't have to. But it, it was so funny. They tried to get it to take off. They had us do a couple special appearances, do some extra Did video. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it was it was awkward. Do you remember really the re- who else was in the course? Because I knew uh, Diana was in it. Diana was the, was the ringleader she because was. she worked at U.S. Women Fitness. Oh, she did. Okay. Right? So she oh, brought yeah. all the uh, leotards they were back then. So that was pre-Lululemon days, right? So everybody had... <laughs> Pre-Lululemon, I like that. Yeah. So everybody was in their attire. Um, Zoila Versailles' granddaughter. Oh, God. If you look at the poster... She is the... There's a poster? There's, oh, I have an autograph. Poster. Oh, God, I want a copy. <laughs> autograph by who? It's, it's huge. Uh, Tony Oliva, Les Straker, oh. um, Juan, of course. God, and um, um, Frank Quillacy. Yeah. No, I don't know if he signed that. I had a, a something signed by Frank Quillacy. Anyway, Zoila Versailles' daughter, or granddaughter, is in it, and she looked nothing like the rest of the crew, right? So it was... But she had uh, she had a part and it was fun. She had the trench coat and the wayfarer, so she fit right in with everybody else. Someone actually recently, one month ago, sold the VHS tape of the Berenger Boogie on eBay. Was it my father? He's been threatening <laughs> it, to do this. Was it Paul Walzer? Sellers, <laughs> sellers, I mean, they obscure the names, but apparently his name is Joseph. Not so. Pete Pappas. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. It went for thirteen dollars. 
Ooh. Well, there you We're go. Profitable. With $20 shipping. Mm. I think I need some royalties out of that. <laughs> indeed. Well, you do it, indeed. It, it, was, uh, it was a long time ago in a land far, far away. So that was, at, what, 88? 87. 87. It was, oh, it was right in 87. Summer of 80. Okay. They hadn't won yet. They were about oh, they to. Hadn't it won was, the World they beat Series Detroit. Yet? Right, so they oh, won yeah, in the playoff right. game, and then that's that, yeah. when Juan went to the microphone afterwards. It was a big deal at the Metrodome, yeah. right? And they were on this little podium and, and doing his deal, and he had his signature, signature movement move the... where he pulled oh, the one yeah. arm back and oh, pushed yeah. the other one out. So that's part of the dance move, too, which I was got, very uh, impressive. Got a lot of heat that year, I remember, because when the Twins went on to play Detroit in the playoffs, KQRS retitled it. Flush Detroit, <laughs> and people from Detroit did not think that was funny. What the hell do you know about Detroit? You're an idiot. Uh, they did not like the fact that I called it Detroit. Probably uh, didn't like getting beat either. Well, you know, I, the other thing about it is, if you could sell your house for more than three grand, it probably. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> job, you know. All right. Well, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more car selling secrets with Ellie Swenson. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. We are back with the next segment of Car Selling Secrets with Ellie Swenson from... Walzer Automotive Group. I don't even know what store to see. What are you doing these days anyway? So I'm a corporate employee again. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yep. I, uh... Sometimes it does seem like an episode of The <laughs> Office, doesn't it? I think this is... Spirit Day! It doesn't really have a title yet. It's, it's uh, in process, but uh, 23, role number 23 is what this one will represent. So I have to tell you, funny, years ago, I think 
Paul had asked me to, I don't remember, was to start the auction or go to the outlet when that came yeah. to be. And I said, Paul, you know, I've been back with the company for three years. I've had 14 jobs. And he goes, well, we're just trying to find something you're good at. <laughs> That's right. And I said, well, thankfully, you're a patient man. I got an interesting letter from, uh, or an email from somebody that I think is, will, it'll be interesting. I'm going to read it. It's a funny story, but it'll lead into more of an interesting conversation. He listens to the podcast all the time, really likes it. And he says, I sold cars for a while, and I remember this couple coming in to return their lease car. I helped them, of course, and did the preliminary inspection. So if you lease a car, you have to have it inspected for physical damage when you bring the car back to turn it in at the dealership. And the dealers then either buy them uh, from the factory or they'll ship them back to the manufacturer. And people always have questions about damage allowances, which we'll get into later, but the story's great. The windshield was cracked, both headlights were cracked, one taillight was broken, the interior was trashed, and it was 20,000 miles over the mileage limit. I told them the car was pretty rough, and they answered, yeah, we know, sure, it's a good thing it's a lease, so we can just turn it in. Oh. I left it to the manager to tell them the bad news. Basically, they owed over $6,000 in damage and mileage penalties. Of course, they were shocked and kept saying, but it's a lease, we just have to turn it in on time. They had a week left before it was due, so they said they'd had to think about it and drove away. We later found out they drove it up north, reported it stolen, drove it into a field, and started it on fire. <laughs> Once the insurance investigator looked at the mileage and contacted our finance manager, the people were arrested, charged, and I believe did some time. So wow. That's not how you turn in a lease vehicle. <laughs> so let's talk a little that's bit about odd. how the process works. So you are when you lease a car, and it's all the same. There is a mileage limitation, how many miles you can drive. If you drive over that, they do charge you. And I think it's is it 40 or 50 cents a mile now. Um, wow. And if most no, leases that are... I don't think are, it's that much. I think it's, it's gone up. Depends on the manufacturer. The, the manufacturer, yeah. for sure. Um, standard leases are written at 12,000 miles a year. If you think you're going to lease a car, and you should really think about how many miles a year you drive, because you can write them for more than that. And then you don't wind up in penalties. Um, early on, the manufacturers were pretty bad about being overly s scrutinizing vehicles when they came back, and they pissed a lot of customers off because there'd be tiny little scratches in them, and then they'd get a bill for $1,000. Mm -hmm. And then I think they finally realized that this was a great sales prevention technique, and yeah. so they become more lenient. Um, General Motors, I think, does a really nice job. When you lease a car from GM, they'll give you a card that will show what's allowable and what isn't in terms of tire wear and dings and dents and all that sort of stuff. In other words, they're fairly forgiving. I know Catherine recently, I think last fall, had to turn in a lease vehicle. Mm -hmm. And somebody had run into it, and she goes, what should I do? And I said, you know what? It's probably about a three or $400 dent. It's going to cost you that to fix it, or you could just turn it in, and they'll probably that's what they'll charge you. And I think the charge came to two hundred and fifty dollars. So, mm -hmm. there, it, it's much more reasonable when you turn in a car back versus when they first started because it was, it was really tough on customers. I think. Um, I was going to ask you something, and I completely forgot what it was. So tell us. So in the corporate job, what are you doing there? So I am working an aspect of business development. Okay. Right. Um, as you know, we had a centralized sales BDC for six years. So tell people that are listening what that what the idea behind that was. So the the idea is with a centralized sales BDC that a select, small, focused group of people 
handle all the inbound phone calls regarding a sale of a car and all the inbound internet leads and respond to them because they do it with consistency, with urgency, and with generally pretty good knowledge and, and process. Um, this is a practice that some dealer groups use and some don't. Um, we decided that the market had changed enough that it was time to shift that lead handling back into the dealerships where the salespeople or designated people at the stores would be able to handle those leads. So it's been a process of shifting that back. That's why I initially came back to the corporate office is to, to bring that back. That was six months ago and now I'm working on training all the individuals, how to handle things properly, how to be transparent with customers, how to get them the information they want quickly, easily, so it doesn't have to be a nightmare. It, it's really a challenge. Uh, I think particularly for a dealer group like us, it's hard enough if it's a single point dealership because when you think about um, all the product knowledge that you need to know to answer customers' questions, and they're fairly basic, like, you know, what's Lane Departure Alert, what's Toyota Sense, what's this, but, but every manufacturer calls this stuff something different, mm -hmm. and to be able to speak all these languages fluently is really difficult. In the, in the old, old days, you didn't get as many Internet inquiries, but you'd get phone calls all the time, and the way they do it is the receptionist would page <laughs> sales line one, and because everybody thought that this would be a great lead, the phone would get answered like this, <gasps> sales, <gasps> Because they're diving over the phone to try to grab Tripping it to beat the other person, yeah. pushing them out of the way. Uh, and that's not a great customer experience. So, you know, we went the other way and developed these business development centers. And, I, you know, honestly, the best it ever worked was when you were running it, mm. quite honestly. Thank you. Because it, it, it's, it's really a hard job. Uh, you want to get the customers the information as quickly as possible and as accurately as possible, but with the, all the, you know, we sell 35,000 cars a year. It's tough. Um, and then you don't want to, you don't really want to turn these people into salespeople. They're supposed to be information experts for the most part and set the appointments. That's really what their job is. So I, I don't, I don't know that there's a perfect way to do it, but it, it does get, it is a challenge, and I, and I honestly think that it's getting worse because of the manufacturers. Not because of us, but... Well, there, there's just more complication, and there's so many incentives depending on the manufacturer and so many different offers and, and trim levels and equipment levels and technologies that it's just impossible for any one person to be able to handle that across 16 different franchises. So, you know, we have varying models of it now in the dealerships, and uh, I think it's going well. Yeah. I think, you know, most importantly is the customer feel like it's going well. Are they getting the information they want more quickly? And um, we're, we'll keep working on it. We'll keep renovating it until we get some solid feedback that says you guys have, have this nailed. We're looking at a lot of technology to try to implement that to make the experience even better for the customers. Questions, comments, or criticisms, always welcome. Talk or, talk or text line 612-295-1526. Speaking of which, I'm going to have to rewrite that copy that you read on the morning show about give upfront prices without giving up your personal information because it's it really hasn't been true for a little mm -hmm. while. With a lot of our manufacturers, oh, so you got me lying to the people. No, it's just—it's <laughs> cloudy. It's just—it's quite cloudy. Okay, cloudy. So, I think this is important for people to understand. Um, a lot of manufacturers, I would say three quarters of them now, tightly restrict what we can show in terms of pricing on our website. Mercedes-Benz, for example, you can only show MSRP in any ad, any website, or anything, and the only way you can give a customer a lower price is 
they have a very different ways they call it, but basically you have to develop a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, it's usually name, email address, and phone number. So um, Honda's been that way for a long time. Toyota is now. Subaru, Mazda, General Motors, and Chrysler, anything goes. That's one of the things I love about them. <laughs> Nissan has a variety of it. You can't advertise below a certain price, but that, a lot of manufacturers right. do that. Yeah, yeah. I think Nissan is an invoice, mm -hmm. even which is weird because most cars transact under invoice pricing. Right. But you know, the manufacturers are doing this to try to protect their brand image. They don't want to be selling eighty or ninety thousand dollar cars like it's a mattress. And no offense to mattress salespeople, they're probably really good at it, but. But the customer is the one that it becomes difficult for, and right. they think it's the it's the dealer, it's the dealer, and it's not the dealer; it's the manufacturer. I mean, we screw up plenty of things, but that's it. that isn't one of them. It's actually, I I, one of the reasons I came back to Walzer was because of their one price journey, and I always thought, this isn't this shouldn't be that complicated. How would I want to get information if I were a customer? How would I want somebody to treat me? And and if you just try to do that, most people think, yeah, okay, I get it. It's the way I tried to sell back in the 80s, but that wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> no. We had, I don't know if you listened to it, but Randy Qualley was on last week, and we talked about <laughs> four square closes and laying people away and, and uh, all sorts of stuff. We, we weren't allowed to ask. You know, we have, a, we have a question that we ask customers when they come in now. It's, are you looking for product information, pricing information, maybe a little bit of both, right, to figure out where they want to start their journey. That is a question you were not allowed to even ask because we couldn't discuss price, right? It, it would, we started here, we started high, you know, start them high and watch them buy, right? That was the uh, yeah. the old adage, and you know, sell them on the car and start the game. Never lost, never lost a car deal over a price. Come on, let's pick something up. That's right. It's just I can't believe you. I can't see you doing that. I was good at it. I know. I bet you were. <laughs> I was good at it. Well, there you go. It was uh, it was a fun time. There were I was the only female. Um, was that selling. hard? It was very hard. Being the only woman, I would imagine. To a certain extent, it was hard. There was nobody to compare me to. So is, from is that it point, because you're a woman, either. or because you're a Packers fan? Um, oh, see, <laughs> now we're talking. That one still haunts me, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, being a woman on the show floor was difficult. When I started, of course, I started selling at BMW, so MotorWorks BMW, and there were only five salespeople, right? So there, I was the only woman, and it didn't seem I was 20% of the sales team, so it didn't seem like that big a deal, right? Um, and there were things, you know, to this day, I think are an advantage to being a female and, and selling, mm -hmm. you know, um, there were, there were some disadvantages though too, you know, the attitudes of a lot of people, they'd assume, you know, it was the eighties, you, you know, come here, I got called Sally and honey and sweetie and cutie and lots of different I things. I call Doug those all the time. And they assume too, cause you're a woman that you don't know what you're talking about. That I knew nothing. Well, that's yes. only you. Yeah. <laughs> I totally, because I've worked in a lot of industries that have been dominated by men. Yeah. I've worked on cars. I've, and they're kind of, they give you that look like, does she even know what she's doing? And it's like, yes, I know what I'm doing. My brain is capable of comprehending yeah. this. Just because I'm a female, that doesn't mean I don't get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I Absolutely. So for me, I felt like I had to know twice as much as everybody else yeah. because I would be mm -hmm. questioned twice as much as everybody else. Yeah. But, it, you know, it paid off. And that's how I look at it, too. It's like, you know, everyone's like, oh, don't you feel 
kind of put upon that you're a woman, you have to prove yourself. I said, all it's doing is making me a better person and a better employee, a better right. you know, technician, whatever, because I have to work twice as hard. I'm the one that's going to benefit from it. So yeah. that's how I look at it, too. And what's if- really weird about that? As a man, I can tell you, I would not be able to do what either one of you did because <laughs> I know nothing about it. I, I just don't. You know, a lot of the best car salespeople actually don't know anything about cars. <laughs> well, then I'd be They've really got great people it. skills, but... That's how I got my confidence, though. Yeah. You yeah. know, from there, yeah. it was a matter of you have to be, to sell, you have to be persuasive, you have to be a good listener, you have to never give up, right? right. You've got to just keep problem solving and moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and man, we need more women in our business, but it's so risky, right? Because so much of it is on the job training that mm-hmm. women tend to be really risk averse yeah. and, and avoid it. Did you make less money than men because of it? Oh, that's a loaded question. As a salesperson, I did not make less money than men. Because okay. I, mean, I, I probably time, made more than many much, of the men. It's, it's a meritocracy, the system Ellie grew up in. It, it's, it was straight commission. So yeah, if right, you sold right. more, you made more. If you sold less, you made less, right? Yeah, and so I got to a point where you know, if there were stereotypes that men were going to use or have, well, I leveraged them and that right. play it to my advantage. <laughs> well, that makes total sense to me. I mean, it's, you know, some people have strong personalities and some don't. Uh, and it just doesn't really matter if it's a man or a woman at all. It's just their, you know, personality more than anything else, I would guess, and their intelligence. And I'll tell you this, it does vary by brand. You've got to have your game together to sell BMWs because, yeah, you know, the, the buyers can be stereotyped. They're not all that way, but Alex is a very typical Subaru buyer. People that buy BMWs tend to be a little more impatient, Catherine. arrogant. Mm-hmm. Catherine bought three of them. There you Catherine's go. Perfect. Arrogant and impatient. As soon as they get home, I'm telling her. Did Tom, uh, TR work there when you were there? No. Okay. I've got a great story to tell about him. We've got to take a quick break, and we'll be back for our third and final segment of Car Selling Secrets with our guest, Ellie Swenson. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Hi, it's Tom. After achieving my goal of losing 92.5 pounds in less than five months, thanks to the Sheehy brothers and the amazing staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I'd like to encourage you to let Nutramost help you shed those unwanted pounds too. Besides eating fresh foods, another one of the reasons that the Nutramost weight loss plan works so well is the one-on-one coaching that you receive. We all know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So, how long have you been trying to lose weight on your own without the help of a coach? When you have someone keeping you accountable, it makes achieving your goal so much easier. Make a commitment to your health and let Nutramost help you with your weight loss journey. I encourage you to schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, June 24th at Jake's in Plymouth. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Call now, 763-333-7337. Just like the world. 
We are back with the third segment of Walzer Automotive's Car Selling Secret with my good friend Ellie Swenson, guesting from the corporate office. Um, I had asked her a question right before the break about if this guy named Tom Ryan had worked there, and she said no, they hadn't crossed paths. Or they had crossed paths, but he was a different store. Tom is uh, Paul and Andrew's cousin, and... Very interesting guy and probably one of the strongest salespeople I've ever seen ever. in action. There's not an objection that this guy cannot overcome. And I'll tell you one story about him. I went to, and this is the first MotorWorks that Ellie worked at, which was a very small dealership. It only had a three-car show floor, something like yes. that. And it was unusual at that time because BMW hadn't exploded yet. They were always doubled with Audi or Volkswagen or triple dealerships. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the first standalone BMW dealerships in the nation. And the Germans flew in. I mean, right now they would just laugh if you tried to build <laughs> the thing. It was like, oh, it's fantastic. We have three cars on the show floor. We had 10 in inventory, so yeah. it wasn't much. So I went to, Tom and I were going to go to lunch, and he was uh, working a cardio with a customer, and I was saying, he says, I, I, it's just going to be about 15 minutes. So I'm hanging around the show floor, and it's about the size of the studio, so you can't help sure. the eavesdrop. And he's trying to close the guy, and the guy goes, geez, you know, I, 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 the 5 Series nice. I just I just don't know if I need it. Tom says, come here. I stand up, puts his arm around him, walks him to the front door. And this is on 35W, just so, south of 494. And he says, oh, yeah. you see that over there? That's Harold Chevrolet. That's where people go that need cars. Now let's turn around. This is MotorWorks BMW. This is where you come if you want a car. And the guy goes, yeah, I get it. Let's go. Oh, there you go. I like so it. It is fun. Uh, you know, even in a one-price selling environment, those sales skills uh, are, are, are very valuable. And it's how you communicate with people and, and how to read them without insulting. I mean, there, there are certainly salespeople that can drag people through the mud because they think it's cute. And Tom could do that, you know, if needed be. But um, it, but it was. I always liked watching him in action. He was our corporate sales trainer for a number of years and i'd sit in on his classes with the we call them green peas the people that just start in the business and you know at some point invariably somebody would try to well what would you do if you know if this happened or they throw some objection at him you, you, you wouldn't even see tom smooth. move just boop. so smooth okay that's and he would crack all the other salespeople because it was a these you know they were straight commission pay plans and i saw him do this once he's wandering around and goes oh hang on a second uh, it's another f uncashed fifteen thousand dollar commission check. <laughs> Just drop that on the God. floor. Oh, <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of that going on in the world now. Anyway, I got another letter from or email from a uh, podcast listener. Asked a bunch of which I thought were pretty good questions. And this this I've been working with this guy for about a year and a half via email. I don't know if I'm ever going to sell him a car. But he's now looking at two- and three-year-old cars, and he says, I've got a few questions. Would I be buying somebody else's problems? If I bought a loaner car, a rental car, a lease car, wouldn't the car have been beaten and not maintained very well? That, I think it's, it's good to talk about that. So uh, there are differences between lease cars, rental cars, and loaners. Now, for the lease car, if it was the one that they set on fire in the field, yeah, you probably wouldn't want to buy that. But generally, these in these uh, times, people take pretty good care of lease vehicles. In fact, a lot of manufacturers, Toyota's one, mm -hmm. you get free maintenance for two years. I mean, there's no reason not to take care of your car. Um, when you buy a car from Walzer, if it's a used car, and other dealers do this too, we're not the only ones, but I think we're one of the first ones to do it, 
we put the full Carfax on every piece of inventory. And what that allows you to do is click on it. Carfax will report not only accidents, <coughs> but, but most uh, service departments report to Carfax too. So you can really get a pretty good sense of how well the car has been maintained. I would say that the most dangerous ones are probably rental cars because uh, rental cars are basically self-insured and if they're in a one-car accident, they don't always show up on Carfax. Um, you, you do have to be a little bit more careful than those. I think but they the maintain them well. They do. I mean, they check them Because that's their livelihood, that's so right. they're constantly yep. you know, making sure that's up to, up to date. I would say that the best ones probably are service loaners from dealerships because they get inspected every day. I mean, these are people that are getting, they've got a brand new car in for service. They typically don't abuse them. And we'll turn our, our internal loaner fleets really quickly. I mean, sometimes these cars only have two or 3,000 miles on them. So occasionally a little bit more than that, but I, I rented a car last week uh, when we were in North Carolina, and it was, you know, this is nice vehicles, uh, 48,000 miles on them. Like, wow. That's unusual. It had Washington plates, not D.C., Washington State, and it was in North Carolina. I think they were just trying to figure out a way to get it back home. But these, these were all pretty good questions, but it's you do have to be careful on used cars. It's I would encourage people, if you're worried about a car that you might buy, uh, see if you can take it and get an independent inspection. We'll, we'll allow people to do that. If you're working with somebody, either private party or another dealer, that tells you, no, we don't want you to do that, yeah, I'd probably leave run you know unless you're an expert unless you can pick up body work unless you've been in the car business or have mechanical backgrounds don't take a chance on that uh, we do have return policy uh, and every car that we sell both new and used at walls i know this sounds like a, a commercial but hey the guy sent me an email and it kind of led right into it um this came up actually earlier on the regular podcast dealer financing and a cinch for new cars but what about financing and used cars and, and i what do you know what used car rates are now? I know they've crept up a little bit in the last year and a half or two. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but hey, you're sitting here. Yeah, I don't uh I couldn't tell you the last five months we did, so sorry. I'm a great guest, aren't I? I don't know the answer <laughs> no, you've to anything. Done good. Perfect. And we haven't got any callers yet though. I'm really kinda of pissed about that. Not well, even an office. I don't think they're interested in what you're talking about. That's right. Dave. Six twelve two nine five fifteen twenty six. If you want to call in, um, yeah. No, we for a while. I, I know that they've crept up because for a while we were able to do zero percent used car financing during special thrust seasons. It was there were short term loans. They were like thirty months or something like that. But it was a way to entice people and to buy cars from us that normally were cash buyers. Uh, but it's but it, that has become a little bit too expensive for us to do so. Should we talk about women of Walzer? Yeah. Oh, what's that? Yeah, all yeah, about? no. <laughs> Take it, sister. Go. So the Walzer Automotive Group has, we're moving in some new areas, right, that a lot of other businesses have probably been exploring before. Um, and a lot of this is led by Sherry Schultz, who's come to us, and she's the head of our HR and, and all things people. Chief Human Resource Officer. Thank you. She gets mad when I salute her. <laughs> <laughs> she's about the size of your wife. I know. Yes. So Walzer has, uh, last November, launched our first employee resource group. And the first group is Women of Walzer. So it's focusing on how can we uh, support women in the roles, how can we be a culture that um, creates 
training path and career goals for women and how can we be attractive to women and make that sustainable. And the business case for it is that 51% of all the title holders are female. 80% of all the purchases are influenced by female, but only about 18% of our show floors have women on them. Which is high against industry standards. Right. And so we are, you know, trying to figure out, as I've done for the last, you know, 30 years, how do we get more women involved? How do we, how do we make sure more people, not just women, but men and women and people of all races and ethnicities and, you know, GLBT, how do we make sure that they feel comfortable in our environment so they can thrive and we can look more like our consumers, right? So that's been the chief initiative of WOW. Um, we have three committees, so we serve our employees and we're serving the community. We have community outreach. We've been working with uh, the Burnsville, oh, Shakopee, and Maple Grove schools to help their homeless kids that they have. They're, and they have closets for these all over at all these schools. We're working on that. We're working with Oasis for Youth out of Bloomington. We just finished up a drive where we sent 1,300 different pieces of food and clothing to them. Um, and we're doing personal development for employees and business development. So, and our business development team is focused on how do we take new hires and keep them longer. We lose new hires in the first year at an alarming rate, and women at about 65% in the first 90 days. So, finding ways that we can get education, that we can get a lifeline, that we can get um, the culture to be more accepting of all people. I have a question. Do you think that a, a company had uh, family leave? plans that would help? That's the <laughs> big softball question for Ellie. So, so we do have family leave and that ties really? in. Yes. So we have, uh, we have family leave for babies, for men and for women. And that has been being that what 75% of our population, our employees are, are men for them to be able to take paternity leave and spend time home with their babies has been huge. We have Gosh, I told I think, Sarah about it, and yeah. I wanted to have another kid. <laughs> she said, get that thing away from me. I don't know yeah. where it's been. Charlie oh, said the same thing. So. Awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate it. That's wonderful. Oh, it's not grandparent that. leave. You'll get that oh, soon enough. God. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh. Shots fired. Officer Shots down. Fired. Yeah. Oh, no. So, uh, so WOW is the first uh, support, uh, support group. Oh my gosh, I said it. We are not a support group. This is not the uh, the men haters. We don't sit around and complain about anyone but Doug. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fitting. You. That's fitting. Thanks, and uh, um, it's been a real eye opener to figure out. One of the general managers, Greg Davis, had said, "Why don't I get warm, more women to apply for my manager roles?" Right. Good Number question. one question. And what we learned when we talked to a lot of the women, and and I brought my own experience into it too is that we don't tend to tap the women on the shoulder that we see the talent in and say, you would make a good ex, let's train you and let's get you ready. You know, we know that. So we asked the women, what percentage do you have to be sure you can do a job before you would raise your hand to it, right? They said 90 to 110% sure they could do the job before they would raise see, their hand. See, that's a problem because of a guy, it's about four. It's about four. Campbell yeah. said maybe 50, yeah. right? And, and he's good. I'll make so, up the rest. So we post a job for a sales manager. The guys are all like, I can do it, high-fiving each other. And uh, the women are like, well, I think I'd like to try, but I'm afraid I'll fail. Or there's too much risk really? involved, so I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, the, the, you know, the people that we've had, the women that we've had, have been equally or more qualified, but they're simply 
don't want to face that risk and that opportunity. Well, what is so, the risk? Well, the risk is, is trying and failing. Yeah, but that's the only way you learn anything. Right. Which is inherent probably to certain people and not others. And, and well, for guess, women, yeah. too, they're, they're going to look at it as that if I fail, it's because I'm a woman. I failed because I'm a woman. The guys are going to laugh at me. They're going to tease me. You know, mm -hmm. if I do, am I ruining it for all the other women? And am I making it bad? You know, so we've got to make it okay. And we've, we've got to find ways for our general managers, whether they're male or female, hopefully, to identify talent. And then we've got to get a career path and a training path out there that makes it okay, right? Because the consumers, what we hear, want to work with men and with women, right? Right. That's right. And we've also got to teach our general managers or our other leaders how to coach, mentor, and train women, right? What does that look like? How, how do we help these people? And how do we make it okay for people to try a job, fail at it, and know they're not going to be laughed out of the building, right? Yeah, I, I, that's new information to me. I, it never would have crossed my mind that that's a, that's a hurt, not really a hurdle, but it's a difference between the sexes, let's say. So for me, as a new car manager, and I was a new car manager at Walzer Toyota in 2007, right? I was very happy with my job. We were very successful. And I hadn't really had the idea in my mind that I could be a general manager because at that point, all of our GMs were men, right? And I had this impression in my mind that they were very highly trained. They'd been through Dealer <laughs> Academy. They were all of these things, right? Until I saw one Doug. of my coworkers not even apply for a job, but get tapped on the shoulder and said, you're going to be our next GM. Really? And I giggled and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I know more than he does. I'm better. And, and that led to that process of saying, hey, I shouldn't be afraid and I should go do it. And right. what's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, you might wind up owning part of a Nissan dealership. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and now I try to retire and they say, no, come on back. Yeah. Come on no, back. I know. Well, wouldn't you say, too, like a, uh, I mean, this is from my experience just in general working, but a lot of women might feel that if they do go after it, that they're going to be looked at as scary because women in general in positions of higher stature often be come across as, you know, mean or Bitchy. extra. You're, yeah. you're a pushover or, like, or you're a bitch. That's, yeah, that's those the are the two options. So, Why'd you so, just call me a bitch? <laughs> you're I wasn't looking over. at you, Tom. No, 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 I thought you were. Right. But, like, but like, so some women who feel like they can do it well, if they were to try it, then that's those are the two options that they yeah, have for the rest yeah. of their lives, what they think people are going to look at them. And, it, and it's hard because there aren't a lot of role models, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, the sentimental part of me, I've reached a point in my career now why being a part of WOW is so important to me is I get to give back and maybe help right. that next generation of people and our company think mm -hmm. differently, right? Eyes are opening and attitudes have adjusted a little bit. We have women in roles we've never had before, and we certainly need more of them. And if this is a shameless plug right now for salespeople, we need salespeople e desperately. E Swenson at Walzer.com. Please, E Swenson out. or Doug at Walzer.com, as always. That wraps up. I wish we had more time because this is it was a very interesting segment. That wraps up episode 14 of Walzer's Car Selling Secrets. We will be back here live one week from today at 1 o'clock. Thank <laughs> you.